0: I spent my whole damn life in the city. I could go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I could go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. My whole damn life in the city. I could go for broke, but the capital is in me. Welcome everyone to District Divided, a DC sports podcast. More specifically, a Washington Commanders podcast. I am Amit. That is K Dot. Today's episode, two main focuses, the Super Bowl, is officially in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs defeat the so evil Philadelphia Eagles, or did the Eagles beat themselves? We're going to go ahead and talk about that. <laughs> but what we're going to first begin with is the news that is definitely captured local media right now and even national media because Eric Bieniemy is very likely to be hired as the Commanders next offensive coordinator a lot of people are still surprised that he hasn't gotten a head coaching gig yet um and this is a lateral move so we're going to go ahead and talk about Eric Bieniemy as if he has already been hired uh we'll talk about the hire uh from the Commanders perspective from our perspectives um and then we get to the comment mailbag as we always do. And after the pod, right after that, K. Dot, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, especially well, considering Philadelphia does not have another championship. Goddamn bunch of fucking losers over the course of the last Such few months. Losers. I'm enjoying it.
0: They are now 0 for 3 in finals or championships, whatever you want to call it. The Philadelphia Union and the MLS Cup final losing to LAFC. Then you have the Philadelphia Phillies just hours later. Losing to the Houston Astros and now in a game where they're favored against the Kansas City Chiefs, they find a way to lose Mm -hmm. yet again. It feels so good to watch just and it couldn't happen to a better fan base, to be honest. But, you know, that's life. Why don't we go ahead and just focus here in D.C. though? So first things first, we did interview Greg Roman, Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, and this happened a few days ago. There's your footnote. Great. Let's talk about Eric Biennemi because it does seem like based on many different verified Twitter accounts, NFL insiders, etc. That this is a move that is going to happen. So Eric Biennemi, for those that don't know, um, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, literally since Mahomes took over uh, as the starting QB. So he's been with Andy Reid for that long and even before that as a running backs coach. Um, so KDOT. He is making a lateral move here. Okay, he is going from Chiefs offensive coordinator to Commanders offensive coordinator. If we go ahead and make the assumption that this is a done deal and does happen, what is your reaction to Eric Bieniemy being named the Commanders' new offensive coordinator?
1: It's multifaceted and kind of complicated. So like um and yeah, as you're saying that, I'm reading tweets that he's in street clothes casually talking to the guy. All but done
0: putting it, pen it to paper. It really seems like it's, it yeah, really it like it's, it's going to happen. That up. It looks yep. like it's
1: a done deal. Um like I I will admit that uh recently over the last few years it's been extremely weird to see what the situation has been with Beani not getting a head coaching position. Um and it has kind of and I I, I I almost feel guilty for maybe becoming a victim of the media narrative or the spin or trying to search for answers and almost belittling him my damn self on some of the podcasts and stuff that I've done trying to make sense of why it is he hasn't gotten a shot somewhere and I think that has tainted a lot of what it is that I've thought of being recently in the sense of that like it was my idea that maybe Kansas City just really wanted to get rid of him you heard about like some of the dust-ups that maybe him and Mahomes have had, and it was how much does he really take care of when it comes to the offense.
0: And we and, had that discussion last week even. Right, yeah.
1: right. So there's there's a lot of that, that that kind of scared me off of him. But if you really look at it, and if you take any consideration of things that you know compared to things that you don't know, the things that are not confirmed, and also looking at Andy Reid as a pretty stand-up guy, um, in the sense of what it is that he's, he's being honest about things, or Patrick Mahomes being honest about things, or Tyreek Hill, who's no longer even in Kansas City, who has things to say about Eric Biannimi. And even if you look at the Super Bowl, itself that we're going to break down, where you have an offensive coordinator who the two touchdowns that you see, the one to Tony and the one to Sky Moore, were ones that very specifically now confirmed Eric Biannimi's the one that knew about the matchup issue and is the one that got them to run those plays that led to two scores in the Super Bowl, And he still doesn't get a head coaching sniff. You have the defensive coordinator that he beat in that game in those two plays is now a head coach somewhere, which feels a little ridiculous. Right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. That doesn't, that's not allowing him to be a head coach. I know that there is a, there, there, there is some racism with that in the sense Mm -hmm. of, or at least racial biases or anything that's happening. It'd with be that. impossible
0: you, to say that there's 0% of both right? at this to, point, the, right?
1: Because it's all part of the element. You got to look at one part of that being that there are some owners that aren't going to do it because they're just not comfortable with it and mm-hmm. they need to fucking go. Then you also have a certain element of, OK, what's really happening? In Kansas City, people are probably giving Mahomes more credit than they need to give any enemy or they're giving Reed more credit than they need to give that they're giving the mm-hmm. enemy. Um, and I look at all of those things and I say, how fortunate for the Washington Commanders, in the sense of this is a guy who's been in Kansas City, learning from probably the most stellar in, in year in and year out offense that we've seen in the league over the course of the last decade. Because even before Mahomes, when Mahomes got to start, that's coming off of Alex Smith, damn near MVP season. Like they they've been they've been running through. And if you look mm-hmm. at the guys that have come off the Andy Reid coaching tree that have gone on to have success with legit offenses and at the head coaching position, you look at Matt Nagy, who leaves, and I know that it ended badly in Chicago, but before it ended badly in Chicago, he was NFL coach of the year. Then if you look at Doug Peterson, he wins a fucking Super Bowl with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And guess what neither of those guys did? Ever called plays in Kansas City. So if I look at that, I'm saying that you have a guy in Eric Bienemy who's been overlooked for how long at being a head coach his is in a position that he has to prove himself, which is absolutely ridiculous he's proven enough, I think, or at least proven mm-hmm. enough to get an opportunity. But if it's the case that the league's not ready to do so, where else are you going to look at a better situation to prove you have carte blanche control over the offense. Mm-hmm. You have guys you have weapons here. And I love the idea of if he brings even a modicum of the success that some of the uh, Andy Reid disciples have had, or if he brings a modicum of the success that they've had when he's there in Kansas City to Washington, mm-hmm. I'm as happy as can be.
0: I want to really hit on a couple points you made there. So one, Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, both being with the Kansas City Chiefs and getting hired off of being under Andy Reid, uh, having not called plays. So there is precedent there first and foremost that just because you don't call plays and this is an assumption by the way because there still is some confusion as to when it seems like they split the duties like sometimes the enemy calls them sometimes recalls them let alone not calling them at all so there are many examples including nick sirianni for the philadelphia eagles of people getting hired without calling a damn
1: taylor play kevin O'Connell.
0: Um, in fact, uh, I decided to, before this pod, just go ahead and write down some of the head coaching hires. Um, I'm not going to name all of them as much as I would love to, because it makes for hilarious reading. And the overarching point is franchises have no idea what they're doing. Um, but what it also illustrates is some of these are absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you look at cliff Kingsbury in 2019, right? 35 and 40 at Texas tech. He becomes a head coach. You can't explain that. Um, Freddie Kitchens went from interim offensive coordinator to full-on head coach immediately. At the time, I think it did make some sense, but you look at how it ended, my God, right? I mean, it just wasn't good. And then you have any number of other head coaching. Adam Gase gets hired as the Miami Dolphins head coach and then immediately gets hired as the Jets head coach right after that there are any number of franchises that will continue to make mistakes and overlook people for you said it i'll i'll leave it at that um this is how fortunate for the washington commanders i could not agree more when we were talking about eric biatomi i think we sort of brushed it to the side because i didn't think it was a legitimate possibility to be honest i really didn't think that this was even a possibility because this would be such a great sort of have you ever seen a lateral move like this he is now a two time super bowl champion and he is gone from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator you will never see this again i don't think
1: the only, the last time I've seen an offense, Matt LaFleur left uh, the Rams. You left the Rams Tennessee. to be the Titans,
0: but he didn't win anything. He didn't win. Th- so right. so
1: yeah, that's what I'm not saying. Now, now two-time no, not Super Bowl all. champion, nope.
0: Jonathan Gannon, who you mentioned, the Eagles defensive coordinator, was there for a cup of coffee in Philadelphia, what, two seasons? Um, next thing you know, his defense gets torched for the entire nation to see. Hours later, becomes the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. Shane Steichen. Look, he, he did have a very good offense in Philadelphia. Fair play to him. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the job, but when you compare resumes, right? If we're just looking at resumes, mm-hmm. it is insane, right? Relative mm-hmm. to what Eric Biennemi has done. So Shane Steichen, now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, not saying it's not deserved, but just saying if you compare the two resumes, I know which no, one I'm taking. Right. It's, like, not,
1: like, it's not downgrading anybody's ability to correct. get coaching. I want know, to be clear. Why about hasn't this that. guy gotten an opportunity yet?
0: It's mind-numbing. It's honestly mind-numbing. And now he is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. And you have every reason, Commanders fans, to be excited. And I think KDOT and I are both trying to illustrate that point in our many different ways. But this is a steal, in my opinion. This could also not work every single move. Again, I've written so many of these down. Joe Judge was a New England special teams and wide receivers coach. He becomes a head coach. Right. Sometimes... People are stupid and sometimes things don't work out. There is every possibility that at the NFL level, a coaching move does not work out. However, if you could pick any one person to be offensive coordinator right now, this is the guy, (laughs) I mean, just based purely on resume, you won't find, he's overqualified. You won't find this situation again. So you may as well enjoy it. And then let's go ahead and see how the season goes. But on paper, and that's all we can react to right now. On paper this is very exciting to me
1: it's exciting yeah. um look even when we were going through the offense coordinator canvas i'm not going to say that i thought eric b was completely off limits because of the situation at hand. it made sense to me that if there was going to be any lateral move that he did do washington to me made sense in the sense of new ownership comes you're putting on an audition you have a defensive-minded head coach it means you're going to have more autonomy on the offense um it makes sense to me as far as a proving ground, plus the weapons and everything they hear on the offense, Now, whether or not we're going to spend a good enough money revamping the offensive line to give any of these guys an opportunity that mm-hmm. that's totally be known.
0: Um, but I think it's sorry, I think it's just more the why would anyone come here that narrative? Begins to build over time, right? And that's that is also attached to previous ownership, yeah, yeah, 100%. right. But
1: I, I'm just trying to explain my mindset of like, why would he come here? Oh, no, I think I, it was I, just I automatic, I, like, oh, I to- why I would he totally? Do that? I totally yeah. understood. Um, but uh, knowing that they were kicking the tires on everybody, well, we mm-hmm. interviewed Greg Roman, um, uh, just uh, what a few days ago, right? Yes, um with with when the head coaching positions all got filled then it was all right what is b enemy going to do his contracts up in kansas city mm-hmm. Andy Reid and those guys would be kind of pushing him out the door i don't, more it looks that now because they think he deserves a shot somewhere right right so, not because go, they don't like him not because they don't like him but it's yeah. like you're 50 something years old at this point the league always wants like ahmet wants younger coaches so sure. the, the idea that you're going to sit there and waste more time on our Andy Reid, that you don't know when he's going to leave. He leaves whenever he wants to leave. He's not getting fired. That um, mm-hmm. you're sitting behind that guy. It's not, it's not even Josh McDaniels, who was always sort of the young buck until he got to mid, mid-age, where then he leaves and goes somewhere else. And he's still fairly young in, all, in, in the grand scheme of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the part of me that I, I look at this and I say that it's a steal, it's awesome, it's cool – but it, it sort of does not play necessarily into the narrative that we had as far as what it is that we thought might be best suited for this team going forward, depending on what we look at, what, what we think the future is going to hold. Um, this move to me speaks to maybe Ron Rivera is going to be around long, a little longer. It, it speaks to me that um, we, we might have a two-year window to see what this offense looks like. Because this Enemy and what it is they ran in Kansas City is not like what it is that Scott Turner was necessarily running in Washington. It's not like what you're talking about as far as what Ron Rivera said is they, they want to be a run first type of offense. But I get Kansas City it, it has not been known for their running game for, for quite some time, right? They might mm-hmm. have a few guys here and there that they can put together a little run. I love Isaiah Pacheco, but they're not they're not blowing anybody away with their running game. Um, so what does it look like as far as Sam how also learning a new offense It's right. different than the offense that he learned going in that's new, why we thought Sam Pes
0: was the front runner right just to make right. it easy for Howe. now he is gonna have to learn something new
1: he is gonna but but then I say that's that fine, okay though. yeah but the, the emotional aspect of who it is I think we are as a fan base makes me say all right readjust what you're thinking was coming off of what the last season is and mm-hmm. let's do everything we can to make sure Ron Rivera has the most success that he can have as head coach, because that means the most success we're having overall as a team. So it means giving Eric Bieniemy anything he needs this offseason to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that is to a certain degree up into including maybe quarterback. I, I think if you're has gotta be the guy to kind of chooses who it is that he wants to have. Now I understand in all the meetings they've made it known, Ron Rivera's made it known that Sam Howell is probably the guy, and he's probably. But you've got to trust the enemy to make the final decision on who his guys are going to be. So I'm just saying, keep your, keep your mind wide open now as far as what it is. Cause there's a new sheriff in town when it comes to offense and we got to mm-hmm. trust his system and his way of doing things to move forward. Cause it's gotta be a cohesive thing. It can't be the piecemeal shit that we've done in years prior. Hey, we need you here, but you're going to have to work with this or build your system to work around this. Well, I mean, I can do that. I can move it, but I'd rather have this guy instead of that guy because he—he you got to make it work with Bietamie. He's got to be the last guy in the room to make some decisions on what's happening on offense. It can't be Ron. Ron's got to understand the philosophy overall, but you got to let him cook. Let enemy cook.
0: And again, so so we are waiting for this to become official. And, and at that time, we will learn more about the roles and responsibilities. I mean, last offseason, we talked about roles and responsibilities and what power each position has, uh, ranging right. from team president all the way down to, you know, coordinators. So we're going to see uh, what all the enemy is allowed to do, who all he's allowed to bring. Uh, he does have relationships with players at Kansas City who are free agents. Right? Are they going to come here and help settle things down? I would look at maybe offensive linemen, considering how poorly our offensive line played. I think there's a lot on the table right now. Um, I personally do think just based on uh, the free agent market that we're going to stick with Sam Howell. Now, if there's someone in the draft the enemy really, really likes, that gets interesting Uh, just because of the ownership change that is probably going to happen very, very soon. And then does he get to do long term thinking or is it, hey, until we have this all sorted out, we want you to stick with Sam. So I'm still curious to see what that looks like. Those conversations look like with the new people in charge as well.
1: But I I color me a little bit surprised based on the even though I knew that they were interviewing everybody, the offense coordinator thing, I think me and you still thought Ken was going to be the guy that got absolutely. I think yeah. Not going to shy away from that. Beca- that's what I thought. Part of that was because of the offense and just taking a step, continuing to see what it is he have with Sam. How would I to learn a new system? But I think another part of that was, is Dan Snyder in the interim who still has to cut checks. Okay. With paying an absorb amount of money to anyone that he's not going to see the fruits of that labor. Um, and if that's the case, I would assume B. should be one of the highest paid offense coordinator candidates based on that resume. So it is a little surprising to me that I don't know what Ron Rivera and the front office are allowed compared to not allowed to do when it comes to the checkbook. At this yeah. particular point. well, I think it's I a black
0: have... box for everybody. K. Dot, uh, I, I mean, I think I think local I mean, media is also but, trying to
1: figure it out. Is Derek Carr yeah. in the conversation if they have a blank checkbook? Like, I, what...
0: so here's the thing I think, even just to quickly touch on Derek Carr, I still think there are better situations for Derek, uh, than here, right? So, I, I don't think that's Derek himself, yes,
1: yes, yes. yes. And now yeah. if, if I'm Derek, placed...
0: I'm not looking at Washington, uh, but. Is it open? Like from our perspective, is it open? That is an interesting question because uh, there are two sides to that conversation. Uh, any other thoughts on Eric bien here?
1: It feels good to have somebody that I can unabashedly root for. Mm-hmm. And I also look at someone who whose feet are held to the fire right now in bien that he is auditioning for potentially his future as ad coach.
0: You know the so, thing, uh, sorry, uh, the thing uh, I love about this, as you were mentioning that, the feet to the fire. I love that he's willing to bet on himself. I think this right. is awesome. I think that is really, really cool. I think fans are going to appreciate that as yep. well because he could have tried to stay in the comfortable confines of Kansas City, assuming that was still an option to him. Right, You would think it is, considering how much they were talking him up. Um, but this is exciting for that reason as well. He's coming here with a point to prove, right? Think about the number of interviews he's had. What, 16, 17, something like that in the last yep. few years with 15 different franchises. And now he gets the opportunity where everyone knows the credit's going to him. If the offense plays well, he yep. gets to show out. So I'm very excited for it. And I just want to say to commanders fans, again, you have every reason to be excited, like legitimate reasons. This isn't just Ashburn syndrome because on paper and with his resume, it's a good one. It's as good as it gets. Frankly, go okay. ahead. K-Dot. Sorry.
1: No, I'm with you. I love that you have somebody with a chip on the shoulder with something to prove. And I think what you have is a coaching staff that knows they have to show out this season. And this is exciting. Like I Mm -hmm. I think that instead of looking at this season necessarily as a building block to whoever else is going to take over, let's go win. Mm -hmm. And that's that's um, what they're built to do. And that's the thing. And so I think that just recalculating the brain for some people at this point, it's Ron, it's Eric, it's Del Rio let's fucking go, let's win some games, let's show out, let's make some noise, and let's make it happen. And I'm excited.
0: Yeah, how could you not be? It is a make or break year uh, for real, especially with the ownership right. change as well for these coaches. They're coaching for their jobs, plain and simple. Yep. There's no other way around it. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about a success that Eric bien had recently, which was... Super Bowl 57. The Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona end up winning 38 to 35 in what I thought was a very fun Super Bowl from start to finish. Um, The holding call, we'll get to that in a moment uh, because everyone's talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, But the game itself was a lot of fun. What what did you make of it? Did you enjoy? um, Yeah, go ahead. floor is yours on the Super Bowl and your thoughts on it.
1: Great game. I'm waiting for my camera to focus I was I was going to say, drinking. yeah, <laughs> I was drinking. So it was like, yeah, uh, hey, oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just keep messing with. All them. right. <laughs> so, um, so I'm just gonna say blurry blur for a bit. Um, great game. Um, you had two powerhouse teams, you had the best team in the AFC meet the best team in the NFC, and they went at it. And um, I loved my Super Bowl setup. I'm not a huge Super Bowl party guy. I got my mm-hmm. wingos wings. I had the air. I bought them the day before so I could heat them up in the air fryer. They got back here in the basement. There you go. I had the girlfriend next to me, and then she she would go off into the bedroom to go watch her shows. And I <laughs> had my whole setup and all my devices with my bat all at shit. Because your boy made some money. Um, so it's a good damn time. But it, what it was was that you had a game that I uh, was listening to our predictions before the Super Bowl. And I was a lot more pessimistic that we were looking at a letdown of hype. That we were going to see a game that, as much as this looked like the perfect matchup on paper between the two best teams, that it was going to find some way to disappoint. And it did not do that. And what it did show is that that Patrick Mahomes jersey that I'm going to be purchasing (laughs) is the right choice to make because there ain't nobody touching that guy. Even though Jalen Hurts had a hell of a game. And you're not going to hear me say a lot of positivity about anything that goes Philadelphia Eagles-wise. Um, you, you see the game he had. He was statistically looking better than Mahomes did. And you look at the fumble that gets your turn for a touchdown. And you look at those small moments that will never, ever, ever probably – it will never happen for him again. Because it was on him, right? Like that that fumble was clearly on him. Yes. Um but it's what happens when you're in those big moments, no situations, right? Mahomes has been there. You're not going to get those mistakes from him. But you did get it from Jalen. And it's, that, to me, is the learning process that happens in the maturing of a quarterback where I look at Jalen, I'm like, that motherfucker's going to be a problem for some years going forward. But there is only one king. There's only oh, one yeah. football god, and his name is Patrick Mahomes. And he proved it again. Yeah. I didn't need any more proof, but I guess some other people needed. Some.
0: I mean, a near flawless performance. I think his QBR was ninety six point four or something like that. I mean, out of a hundred, right? That is unheard of in a Super Bowl to play Jesus that saying. damn near perfect. Um, I will take a moment to shout out Jalen Hurts, though, because he was to me spectacular with the three rushing touchdowns, r- throwing for over three hundred yards, touchdown to AJ Brown as well, but. To Dot's point, you cannot make mistakes when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. And the bigger the moment, the better Mahomes plays. Like, he's just one of those guys, right? When you talk about the GOAT down the line and you talk about the best quarterbacks you've seen, it's often the ones that, like Tom Brady, get better as the moment gets bigger. Joe Montana, the same way. Mahomes seems to have that as well. When he went down at the end of the first half and he was holding that ankle and you look at the replay, he did. I mean, there was legitimate reason for him to be in pain. There was no faking. I, th- I think there were a lot of people who were like, oh, he faked it. It was like this sort of like gamesmanship type thing. Dude, if my ankle went like that, if yours went like that, like anyone's goes like that, you were in pain. Um, yep. Adrenaline's pumping, my friend. I mean, it's just one of those things and he... Hopefully it seemed like it was just the shock of it. He was spectacular. Now you were laughing a bit earlier. What was that about?
1: At the end I was laughing because it reminds me of Kurt Schelling and his bloody sock, you faking motherfucker. Um <laughs> I was a Yankee fan. Gotcha. <laughs> beyond that, um, no, there there are a couple takeaway. The one takeaway that I have, um, and I guess there are some ramblings about it right now. Mm. They need to ban the fucking um fourth and one push uh quarterback sneak play. It was unstoppable. I'm over it. it's it's unfair it's an unfair play um it's i don't think that it's okay i remember there being rules about not helping another player advance and they just stopped calling that for some reason
0: i remember Um, the bush push you remember that in the i want to say it was notre dame usc i can't remember who usc was playing that right yeah
1: yeah yeah. right. but there was like i thought you weren't allowed to like carry a player so like you you're not you're not allowed to do that but now they've they get three and a half yards basically every time they run that play. And Jalen it is Hurts a legi- 600. <laughs> it's a legitimate thing to think that these guys could literally just run the play over and over and over. You go four to fourth down every day. You get a touchdown every drive and ruin the time of possession for any play. It is, it's gotten to a point where I think it's unfair. Um, where I, And I do hear that some guys in the competition committee, like Sean Payton even said, like, I'd run that play 100% of the time. All the time, you'll get the chance to not running, right? Um, I don't know if Russell Wilson can execute the same. Way, we'll see. <laughs> so I, I think it's more—it's
0: <laughs> unfair with a guy like Jalen Hurts running it.
1: It's unfair. So like, if they did that with Josh Allen, if you do that with Justin Herbert, if you do, it mm-hmm. becomes a because it's no longer about any skill. It's—it's it's not a skill I thing. Would, I would
0: argue it's a bit of a skill in terms of finding the space, having—I don't even think—but it's not to but, be able to but, pull but it but to off. But it does majority like the
1: more athletic. A majority of the time that they're getting the first down it's not like there are some quarterback sneaks where absolutely you got to find space you got to do that majority of the time that they're doing it on these plays it's mm-hmm. not that he stopped clearly before and the just, line of the scrimmage pushed and right. you have a bunch of guys push you forward there's not OK, <laughs> what are we it's doing? It's almost like
0: you're watching tug of war, except everyone's pushing rugby instead. Rugby is the much better. Yeah, it's a it rugby, is rugby. Scrum. It's a scrum. It's a rugby scrum. It's a scrum. And it's,
1: it's like we don't do that in American football. It's not a it's not the game. <laughs> like, we'd, like, I'm all for quarterback sneak. But guess what you can't do? Push the player forward. <laughs> you can't right. do that. So like that's the skill of a quarterback's thing. I'm on for You just can't. Push but that's it. but
0: uh, okay. But that aside, like Jalen Hurts, even like just from a ball placement standpoint.
1: Oh no, he's great. I'm not taking anything great. away from. Him. Especially because he that...
0: had the injury to his throwing shoulder. Um oh, yeah. It, yeah, I thought he was great, but had to be better. As insane as that sounds, because the fumble, it went for a touchdown. I mean, it's just you can't do that against Kansas City, and it's annoying, and it
1: sucks. It's... But that's, but that's how the thing it is. With the game the game plan is look, the only way to beat Mahomes is to not allow him to beat you. Like the, the that's the that's it. Like you have to like look, in effort. you saw what the time of possession was. There were mm-hmm. moments where it felt like Philadelphia had the ball for like an hour and a fucking half. Like it was like it, they were
0: using the strategy that we used on them. Yes. Right? When you're going against an offense you know is really fucking good Keep it keep out away. of their hands. <laughs> keep Play keep away. We did it. Yeah, and I was like, they they learned. They learned from their one loss you that gotta they had with more. Jalen Hurts, and they're <laughs> doing it. And then they, yeah. I mean, I was so happy. In the second half,
1: you got to do it more. You got to execute. You got you got to run the clock out. It has to be all phases of the game. That mm-hmm. punt, worst punt I've ever seen. One of oh. the worst punts I've ever seen. Low. Uh,
0: yep, yep. It was horrible. It
1: gave it gave him an opportunity to actually get a running start and then fucking take off like with perfect timing. It was ridiculous. Um, so I look at Philadelphia and I'm like, yeah, you guys, Patrick Mahomes beat you. Mm-hmm. Clearly. But you have to in order to beat Patrick Mahomes, you have to limit those opportunities. And even if you do, and even if you do that at the fullest extent of which you can do, I have on I am on every podcast I've ever done telling you guys, we have not seen Mahomes' ceiling. I keep saying that, and people are like, Well, how much what more can he do? You just saw a glimpse, you saw a taste. These wide receivers he has are not good. <laughs> They're not imagining what he'd have with the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver town like the, right. the, the, this there is thing, a huge
0: difference. Yeah,
1: it is insane. You have not seen what and he's also wasn't 100% in that game. Clearly.
0: Yeah. Well, the I don't think boy- I don't think it was necessarily clear to Eagles fans who are like, what the fuck that dude looked totally fine.
1: I'll tell you the the best of what you see of Aaron Rodgers over the course of his career when, and I I, I think I said this on this pod last week, you see Aaron Rodgers do certain things over the course of his career. You're like, holy shit. Mahomes does that all the time. And he makes it look easy to a point at which you don't even. The the, no look passes the flashy shit is what people look at. But it's like, Mm -hmm. no, bro. Look at the velocity that the ball came out at that angle with no time and pressure breathing down. His
0: but I also want All to give time. you I want to give you some credit here, which is that when and you correctly pointed it out, when they were missing Tyreek Hill, he was forced to get better. Because before what he was doing was relying on where's Travis, where's Tyreek? That's the offense. Then it yep. became okay, sometimes Travis isn't open and Tyreek's not there. What do I do? Uh yep. and this year. I think he did take a step as a legitimate NFL QB. So when you say we haven't seen a ceiling yet, it's because the NFL's best QB is still learning. And yep. that is a scary, scary thought, right? Um, what, if he he sucks thought without, what if he sucks without, what if he sucks without How cool would that be? Just as a very fun I, hypothetical, which that you, you and I, you and I know. <laughs> not, I don't even want it, to think It's about not that. even, we're not even wishing it, but just like. It'd be amazing. It'd be hilarious.
1: And Sam Howell's just doing insane shit. and, throws and ends being throws 50 touchdowns
0: bad. next season. Yeah.
1: <laughs> bye-bye, Ron. Bye-bye, Ron. We got a new head coach. Oh, no, um, Ron's well, staying
0: for life at that point. No, because maybe, you are kidding me? you kidding We just keep winning? You think we're letting go of
1: that coach? Well, I don't know if Eric, well, I don't know if Eric would stay. So the, um, look. You saw in this game. I talked about the fact that if you give Patrick Mahomes, if you pressure him, you actually are doing yourself a detriment because he's better when he has less time. And the reason he's better when he has less time, it's the same thing with Tariq. He's a guy that looks for the home run all the time. That's been the thing that has been the thing that they've had to get him to, like, trust the offense, make the throw. You saw Mm -hmm. it in the Super Bowl. He took what was open, made the throw. Look, make the throw. And, and that's what he when he figures that out that, like, I got to play within the confines of this offense and just make the right throw at the right time. And I don't have to wait for this uh, for the big for the big play, because that's when he hurts himself, when he has more time to sit around and to try to make the big throw is when it right. Doesn't
0: happen. But and here's the thing that's super frustrating for defenses is oftentimes when you go against a mega talented QB, they rely on that talent. But if they're willing to take what the defense gives them and they're mega talented, then it's really annoying because then they're playing. It, it almost is a chestnut checkers type thing where they're not like, oh, I can just like out throw the coverage. And for a lot of QBs that flame out, it doesn't end up being the case. And, right? he,
1: and he could utilize his legs more than he does. And yeah. he doesn't run a past the line of scrimmage as much as he should, maybe. So um, we could
0: we could. Sorry, no. we could clearly continue just talking about Mahomes forever, but I want to get to the holding call. Right? So it's a third and eight. There's under two minutes left. Is there under two minutes left? I can't remember if there's under two left at that point. But it's close. Close game. There is a call. Juju Smith-Schuster is running a little whip route. James Bradbury gets some jersey. Mahomes throws to a spot. It looks like it's not catchable, then I'm calling defensive holding. Now, just to be clear, defensive holding is when the it's before the ball is thrown. So I just want to make that abundantly clear. So the whole catchable thing, it's a bit different when it's holding. And I think a lot of people are like, but it's not catchable. If it's defensive holding, it does not matter. Uh, When it's pass interference. Yes. Then you can argue we're not catchable, but defensive holding the implication is before. Kate, I, uh, what did you think of that call? Having seen the replay, thinking about the spot on the field, thinking about how the game had been officiated up until that point?
1: I had no problem with it. And I, I also think that if you're an Eagles fan, who are the ones that probably have the biggest issue with it, you shouldn't take anything I say with any we should take it with a tablespoon of salt because I don't like it. But the um, but outside of that, just is trying to call it objectively as I possibly can. I was completely fine with it, especially looking at the replays that they've shown over and over where you could clearly see the Jersey pull, And to me, what ended it in the entire thing was when Bradbury after the game says, "Yes, yes, I held him and I was hoping they wouldn't call it. Right. I'm sorry. A hold is a hold is a hold is a hold. Yes. It happens on every play. Yes. They don't always get called. The referees mm-hmm. are human beings. They don't yeah. have cameras on every single player close up and every single thing. And we don't stop play after every single one to see who was holding what at any given point in fucking time. With I, that being it's it's a it's a clearly a penalty.
0: Clearly a penalty. And I just wanted to also add that a lot of the Monday morning quarterbacking when it came to that call was we wanted to see Jalen Hurts with a chance. That's not yeah, how penalty entertainment work. thing. Right. I didn't like the call because, yes, it was a hold, but. And that immediately ends your argument, right? Like, right. yes, you are disappointed that call was made. Right. I understand. But. I get it. That's the call. <laughs> uh, initially, play, when I saw it, heck, I was rooting for the Chiefs. I was curious what it would look like. And so initially, I thought it was soft. And then I woke up. I saw the replay again. And I was like, no, that is a hold. And James Bradbury admitted it. And fair play to him, by the way. That was an easy spot for him to just go. I can't, I didn't hold him. I can't believe the ref made that call after there were no other holding calls the whole game. That was easy for him to throw other people under the bus, but kudos to James Bradbury who said, Hey, yes, I did hold him. And on the replay, it was clear. It was holding.
1: I don't think he even had to do that much. Like to me, it was like, he did not have to throw anybody on the bus than doing what majority of players do in that situation, which is a non-answer. Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, um, I mean, the, the the play got called the way it got called. Uh, the game happened. Congratulations to them. And you, you leave it. Yeah. When he outright says, like, he could have done nothing. No, he went far and said, no, I did it. I'm taking responsibility for it. I was hoping they didn't call it. That is somebody right. taking full ownership of it, and nobody else should be looking to do anything other than say, hey, do you know the reason Jalen Hurts didn't have an opportunity to? Because James Bradbury fucking helped. So, like, that's what it boils down to. But you also know, for the record, me, I know that I'm a lot more forgiving when it comes to these referees than most people. Because mm-hmm. remember, even the, the Giants-Commander's game, right, where the pass parents didn't get called, and that was egregious. That was awful. It was awful. But I'm still of the idea that they're fucking human beings. There's an element yeah. to this where we can get it 100% right, or you know that some things are going to be wrong, and it's the way we play well, the game.
0: That was one of the funny things about when – People were saying, oh, but the game, the way it's being officiated, stuff like that. I was like, I just think they missed a bunch of them, to be honest. Um, But it happens every game. That's the thing. They're human beings. They're human beings. (laughs) And and that's the important point. Um, Now, I think the best point was made. as watching Get Up the next day by Rob Ninkovich. Uh, I don't know if you got to see this, but he's a former Patriots linebacker. And Mm -hmm. he goes, look, I hated the call. I'm a defensive guy. Is what it is. Here's the deal. If you and they release the jersey colors three days in advance. If you know you're playing a team that's wearing white and you have a white sleeve on, why on earth are you wearing black gloves? Why are you wearing dark green gloves? If you Catching wear white gloves, do you think that they even see it? And oh, I was God. like, that is brilliant. And then all of a sudden you think about the Patriots and, and then you're like, oh, shit, this is why they win all the fucking time. Like it is literally like this attention to detail. If James Bradbury is wearing white gloves, this could be a totally different podcast right
1: now.
0: right? I thought it oh, was no, a dude, subtle, Ronaldo's but win I, I, I thought it was a subtle but brilliant, a uh, bit of analysis there, which is wear white gloves.
1: It's utilizing, but that's the thing. The best athletes already knew this. When you look at the best wide receivers, if you look at Michael Irving, if you look at Terrell Owens, especially the big physical guys, yeah, look at how often they get away with offensive pass interference. And the, you hear them talk about it, and Irvin says, never raise your hand above here. You do everything from the hip level. You do one. You move You move your body when you move the arm. It looks as though you just, there are certain ways you can be subtle about it. Get the guy out of the way. The ref can't see shit. You've got to be able to know how to utilize your leverage just a little bit in order to get the separation you need to make that catch. And if you look at the replays of all these guys, you look at a lot of their end zone touchdowns and everything, there are tons of times where they're pushing off, but they know, they understand. There's a human element to this thing. There are rules that are going to get, there are, There are things that are going to get called, mm-hmm. and there are things that are, you're going to be able to get away with. Know how to utilize it. It's part of the fucking game.
0: Yeah. I think Ninkovich was sort of making that point, right? It's right. part of the game. You could choose that. Anyway, Um, which is all to, all to say, I also absolutely disliked. I know it was... Sort of like a funny thing, but because Bradbury admitted it, it just made it look petty even. And they had already won Juju's Valentine's Day card. I thought was dumb. That's just me. Now, the Eagles were the recipients of it, which is why part of me enjoyed it. But it was like the I'll hold you when it matters most when Bradbury already said, yes, I held instead of like, no, I didn't. It's one thing if he said, no, I didn't. Or another thing if he was like talking shit entering the Super Bowl. It seemed like just a dude who was admitting he was at fault. And then that comes out anyway. I was like, come on. That's a bit over the top
1: for me. Everything can be true. So like the, I think there's an element of, was it necessary? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I love Um, shit talking,
0: just to be clear. But
1: here's the thing. Was it necessary? Absolutely not. Is it something that I would do? Probably not. Is Something you would do? Probably not. But is it, but you had 60 minutes to be on the other outcome of that game. You didn't do it. If you don't want me gloating, beat me. That's Otherwise, fair. you ain't got nothing to say. And AJ Brown, you lost. Now I give you full credit. You defended your teammate the way you should. Good job. And uh, TikTok boy is fucking hilarious. Yeah. So <laughs> um, it's fucking funny. It's it's the Eli Apple that bothers me you lost <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> you're not that great it's the juju look if you if you were in an upper echelon wide receiver probably take it a little bit better but i think that was the funny thing you
0: had a good super bowl but, but, but here's the thing you
1: had three first downs and you drew the penalty at the end credit to you and guess what you got a fucking lombardi trophy and you're getting a super bowl ring talk your <laughs> shit. if somebody got a problem with it stop me from doing it yeah Hey. Right. Hard to argue against that.
0: Uh, Let's jump over to the comment mailbag uh, where we have one, two, three, four, five comments. Really appreciate the comments, guys. Uh, Beginning with Earl Bruce. I think the sale will go through at the June owners meeting. Even if it happens in March, the new owners will not be able to or won't be. I'm sorry. The new owners won't be players in free agency or assemble an office staff, scouts and coaching staff. Good content, guys. Really appreciate. Shout out there, Earl. And thank you for the comment. Sorry for butchering it for that brief moment. Um, Then we got DJ. All hail DJ. Shout out DJ. The man went 4-0 in the playoffs the moment he started commenting. Thanks, boys, for letting me have some fun making these picks the last couple of weeks. Go Defenders. XFL season does begin. It is right around the corner, 8 p.m. Sunday, Audi Field. The D.C. Defenders kick off their season.
1: I think Cardinal
0: Jones is the QB
1: boy, uh, Ryan, who I do ASOS with, he already bought a season ticket, so I will be going and attending. Some oh, you'll
0: be there Sunday night? So will I. Let's, I won't be there uh...
1: Sunday night. I'm not going to be there Sunday night, but I will be attending some games this season.
0: Let me know when you do. Um, and then we got Spencer Brudig, former co. Shout out, Spencer. Really appreciate it. Two questions. Number one, will LeBron's final scoring record be broken in our lifetimes? And number two, if it is destined to be, will that player be as well-rounded as Braun? Appreciate the comment there, Spence. Kate, I'll let you go first.
1: So is okay. I guess it all had to do with each other. I forgot. I, I didn't know. So the first
0: score. question is: Will LeBron's ahead. scoring record be broken in our life? I lifetime? don't
1: know. I doubt it, but I also I consider myself lucky that I've lived in my formative years through a time in which I've got to see LeBron James and Tom Brady sure at the same time. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? So. I remember still in middle school running home to go see the high school phenom on ESPN before he made it to the league. Like it's insane to me that we've, we've had this for this long. I will say that it's, it's less, it's less likely, but it's, it's weird because with medical advances and everything, these guys are healthier than they ever have been Mm -hmm. in the sense of, we know that they can recover from things better than they ever have. But even if you look at LeBron, he hasn't really ever had any major injuries so that he had to really recover from. Right. So, like, I look at that with LeBron. I'm saying, all right, that's luck more than it is just recovering from injury. But I also think the other element that you're seeing with today's athlete more than others are guys that are more willing to step away from their perspective games, um, even before they need to, because they want to do other things. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that you can do in this life with the money that they have um, podcasts, shows, all kinds of things that you can do to keep your name out there and to not have to do the grind of the sport week in and week out or day or in basketball day in and day out. Um, I just think the odds are the odds are really, really low in our lifetimes we're going to see anything close to that. I was looking at Giannis that maybe but I just think with that frame, that body, I doubt that he stays healthy long enough and it won't be anybody as well-rounded as LeBron to do it either.
0: I, I think someone is going to break it. Um, I think it's, you know, you could see rule changes in the NBA. There could be a four-point shot. That's you never know, true. right? So like yeah. once you add these things, And you see how much better these players are getting and how the game evolves. I do think even if someone 15 years down the line comes as the next anointed one, it could be Luca. I honestly don't think it'll be Luca, but it could be. Uh, But it could be someone we haven't heard of yet. And so I think ultimately this will occur. Um, And I think as player, as certain players, and not everybody, certain ones do step away early on. Others are driven by this... Whatever this it that very few players possess, but I think you are going to see it in a new player, whenever it may be fifteen, twenty years down the line. I think we will see it broken.
1: Yeah, see, I put my life expectancy at about twenty years. So I don't okay,
0: know. right, which is hey, That was an implication of the question. How long do you think you'll be around? Right.
1: So. I turned I turned thirty four on Sunday. This upcoming Sunday.
0: Oh, happy I early don't... birthday to you.
1: Thank you. Can I make fifty four? I don't know. We'll see.
0: You'll make 54. We'll make sure you make 54. District divided is determined to make sure you make 54. so bad right
1: now. As soon as I said...
0: Will will that player be as well-rounded as Braun? Actually, I don't think so. Um, I think this will be more of a pure score um, that just goes bananas over and over and over again. Um, Then we got Vindo, who is this much closer to becoming an OG. Shout out, Vindo. What a great Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Is it just me or did it go by way too fast? Like, damn, let me salvage everything. All I want is a notification saying our team has been sold. That's 26 Super Bowls in itself. (laughs) And listen, I can't wait for that notification. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. It is going to feel like we won a Super Bowl because ownership matters a hell of a lot. And uh, yeah, what a great Super Bowl. I mean, it did. I think the time of possession that the Eagles initially had made it go faster. Because the clock was continuing to run. When offense is humming like that, and it's not just deep shot after deep shot, that clock's going to be running. I loved it, though. Great game.
1: Great game.
0: Great game. Um, And then we got Blood Clot. Shout out, Blood Clot. Damn, Amit, you killed it with that prediction. So happy that the Chiefs won. I hate the Chiefs, but I mean, and my screen went black, the enemy of my enemy, right? Philly needs to be humbled. All I gotta say is that the laser tattoo removal business in Philly is gonna be pretty busy these next few weeks. Shout out to I love that <laughs> because you know that's hundred percent true. These Eagles fans, they the ones I know were all entirely convinced they were winning this game. Not concerned at all. I was like, but what about Mahomes? They're like, it doesn't matter, we're the best team.
1: We're the only show that picked the Chiefs. Everyone else is Outside picking the Eagles. Did you City. see the pregame for Fox? They Brother, It was in insane. Philly. It was, it was insane. Yeah. Every other podcast I was on, not one other person picked the Chiefs with me. Um, the If you look across anything, we're the only show that universally picked the Chiefs that I can think of, that I heard from anyone that wasn't in Kansas City itself. The, the, you start looking at the lines, the amount of money that was on Philadelphia. 70% of money was on game. Philly. It was nuts. And I was like, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, that's what makes this loss so fucking sweet <laughs> is that they thought. Like when they won the first when they won their first Super Bowl, it's with Nick Foles at quarterback. They're playing the Patriots. Right. It's like there's no chance. They're they're playing with the house's money. They're excited to be there. And if they get the win, they get to be filled out like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. It was true. They finally were the team. They were everyone's favorite kind of going into this thing except us <laughs> uh,
0: it's that is that is true of um, and i got to say you know what let's let's wrap this up and go after the pod this is district divided a dc sports podcast more specifically a commanders podcast thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate it if you enjoyed today's episode please like the video please share it with your friends please subscribe you could share it with people that aren't your friends too um please subscribe and you know please comment as you always do uh we really appreciate you guys after the pod begins right now so k dot one of the things I did for my Monday was I downloaded multiple Philadelphia Eagles fan podcasts, and it was so fun. I mean, Barkley got the longest walk of his life because I was like, no, we got more listening to do. <laughs> and it was electric listening. The number of people who were like, the field, how could the field be in such bad shape? But, oh, the point. refs, the absolute, yeah, 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 you can't make that call. I can't
1: hear you. Did you oh, can you
0: though? not? Did I? No, I didn't. I didn't mute myself. I can you hear I can me? Hear anything? Oh no. Let's see. Oh, I'm still. I'm still plugged in there. Now I can hear you. You can hear me. Yeah, oh, hear you know what? How about now? I hear you now. My connection was unstable for some reason. Um. Uh... Anyway, downloaded multiple Eagles podcasts. It was great listening. The number of people who said this is the best team we've had since 1960, and now everyone's leaving, is just amazing so amazing cool. both coordinators are gone um and we'll see how sirianni does with the new staff we'll see what happens with these free agents we'll see if people retire this was a golden opportunity for them and mm. they just happened to go against maybe the future goat over here and it just made for wonderful wonderful listening i i could not stop laughing like even the intros do you bleed green and like i mean it was great i was like oh my fly Lord. eagles fly I'm listening to all this, to like, fucking <laughs> i mean oh, it shit. was amazing it was just ah uh, i was listening to the intro over and over again i was like no i gotta run that back like it was great the whole thing was so much fun
1: no i i didn't go i didn't do all that even though you made it sound like i should have uh <laughs> do, the they're still, still there guys they're still I know, there i know, I know. <laughs> I did watch the uh, Barstool guys who went to the game, the Philadelphia the Barstool Philly guys, and mm-hmm. see the disappointment and the soul-crushingness of that. Um, my brother-in-law is a Philadelphia fan. He was very quiet on uh, social media. Uh, and uh, a guy that I formerly did a podcast with, uh, good old Mauricio, uh, me and him were just cursing each other the fuck out the entire night, um, which is great because he was drunk as shit. <laughs> and, so it should uh, be. Yeah, he was like, "All right, I, I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta go light a car on fire." I'm like, "Gatsby, <laughs> do your thing. Be Philadelphia that we know." Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's it's. I don't look. I should. If I was from Philadelphia, I'd have a really good time. Because they hmm. do a lot of things that I'm into, but I'm a Washington fan. I was born.
0: Merdall and I were talking about this. We were like. We would probably fit into oh amazing. Philadelphia fandom really really well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Because we're not, in, like, yeah, this is it. us just saying fuck. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, like Philadelphia has become my my one of my favorite cities to go to. Um, I've even thought about moving up there. I, I, I still think about moving up there. It's affordable. It's we're closer to New York, still close to Baltimore, still close to DC. And it is centrally nice. located in that respect. Yeah, it's so awesome. And um, it's so afford, It's so affordable for an East Coast city. Uh, and there's a lot of fun. And I love the food. I love the music. I love the art. I love everything. But once again, I could say all that and still say, fuck Philly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it.
1: I'm a, I'm a Washingtonian, baby. There you go.
0: <laughs> oh, perfect timing on that. I mean, it just now now I'm like actively checking in on the flyers and the 76ers to see if they can continue this little trend. Like this would be
1: the 76ers. are my to my pick for the finals. So I'm not for that, the finals. They are my, they are my champion pick this year.
0: Oh, they're your champion. They right?
1: have also been my champion pick the last like four seasons.
0: Okay. So say so you're just continuously. I'm, just, like that.
1: I'm on, I'm on the right. It's this year, baby. This year's looking so good. You've now quadrupled down,
0: right? That's what yeah, I'm not,
1: I, 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 all right. So Growing up basketball like this, I was a stupid kid. Okay, I thought the Michael Jordan got disrespected by the Wizards at the end. Looking back hindsight, I have different feelings now. Back then I felt a certain way about it.
0: That's interesting. Um, I was going to say
1: I I had a stupid kid.
0: You'd mentioned it. Go ahead.
1: Stupid kid. And I I don't remember I was downtown in Chinatown. And I'll never forget it when Michael Jordan left in his in his uh, Mercedes. I saw the final drive away from this away from the or was it the MCI center or whatever the MCI at the time? time. Yeah, I saw him drive away for the final time with my own eyes. And I was like, I didn't like the way this ended, even though, like I said, I feel differently about it now. And basketball, it lends itself a lot more to following players than a team at certain times. Yes, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I'm a huge Allen Iverson guy. Huge Allen. Boy is legend. And I'm a huge Chris Webber guy for different reasons. And. Okay. um, I root for the 76 is hard, like it wasn't for it, I, I still respected the Wizards, but I wasn't going as hardcore for the Wizards because once again, stupid kid. Thought I mean, AI was a kid.
0: joy to watch, man. And, and I mean, that great. team that he took to the finals.
1: And was. And I feel differently about his career now than I did then. Mm-hmm. But because <laughs> selfishness, but um. But Iverson was such a joy. So I was always sort of like, I always rooted for the 76ers to a certain degree. The same way without mm-hmm. baseball, I was a huge Yankee fan. I was a giant Yankee fan. I still root for the Yankees from time to time. Is that the reason? No, it was, um, I, the, the reason I was a Yankees fan is as much as I was a stupid kid in certain regards, I was also a smart fucking kid. So I knew that Peter Angelos and the Baltimore Orioles did everything they possibly could to prevent Washington from having a baseball team. Okay. So. We're close to Baltimore. I got a lot of family in Baltimore. I go to baseball games. I'm not rooting for the fucking Orioles, even though I like Cal Ripken. Kyle, everybody like Cal Ripken. Yeah, if you don't, mean, don't like everyone like you Yeah, you're just a terrible person, right? Um, how do you stick it to Peter Angelos? I think they asked
0: that on the citizenship forum. Actually, do you love Cal Ripken?
1: They should. They but should. Have, so what's a better way to stick it to Peter Angelos than picking out one of his division rivals? and a team that was extremely easy to follow because they had their own fucking networks. That is true. Anyway, I could come up here to Baltimore with family or whatever, and go see a baseball game, at Camden yards. And I was a Yankees fan. Um, so that's what it was. It was me being, be hating the Royals so fucking much, but mm-hmm. wanting Washington to have a team. And as soon as the uh, nationals came to me, Bought my, bought my. Uh, I think the first jersey I ever got was a Ryan Zimmerman jersey. Um, and I used to go to fucking RFK when the tickets were basically two dollars. They would just hand out fucking tickets. Please, please, people, come to RFK to see the Nats play or the Those fun. play. Those were, were fun. Those were great. It was great yeah. times. It was then like, just hop in the car and drive across town, and you had this game. that You yeah. just go to whenever you want. It was never packed. It was always right. easy, and it was um. So like I, but I, there's still a from my childhood. There's still a little bit of love that I have for the uh Yankees but it's easy because they play in the different they play in a different league so
0: that's fair that's entirely fair but if
1: they're ever playing against each other I'm that's all the way it's not even close now we're Red
0: Sox Yankees because I feel like it, it was definitely a thing here in DC right you were on one side of that I hate You're the just, Red Sox wh-
1: so and I really like
0: the Red Sox because I was like fuck the Yankees fuck growing up but oh, my question no. is was this a national <laughs> thing or was this just sort of an east coast thing had to be national I would think right
1: it's national, but the, it is but, national
0: Red Sox or Yankees. You're one or the other. It doesn't need to be your team, but you are going to be on one side of that.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. It was so being in D.C., you did run into more Yankees and Red Sox fans and other teams. Yes. Be, so because yes. we didn't have a baseball team. Correct. So very specific okay, to that's this a good area. Yeah, very specific to this area. There were people that took sides there. I remember in school one of my lowest points ever in the history of sports is when the Red Sox came back on the Yankees back in 03, 03 or 04.
0: And then Our they ended of- up winning the World Series that year. Yeah,
1: I it's still you know, what? still as far as sporting moments. I've never been more hurt. Are you serious? I've never been more hurt, even more than even more than I feel Washington, like I can uh, hear Washington. a little
0: bit of it in your voice right
1: now. I, I'm really getting upset because I-, <laughs> 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 I never knew Bro, this. I'll this never is- forget it. Walking in the school. I got tears in my... Walking into... School. Yeah, Cecilia I can Moore. I can tell. I shouldn't say her full no. name. CC. girl that went to high school. <laughs> them fucking Red Sox fans. Oh my God, was I angry. Walking in... Because all you heard was the curse of the Bambino. Oh, the poor Red Sox. We can't win anything. Fuck you, you bunch of goddamn losers. Fuck off. And then, all of a sudden, they break the fucking curse. Oh, I hate them. Like if I'm looking at fan, like all right, not fan. If I'm looking at teams that I hate across all sports, like just teams. I ain't talk about fans. Let's talk about teams. Cowboys, Red Sox, Eagles, and then the list can keep going. Holy! I hate the Red Sox so fucking much. I hate them. I despise the Red. Like. Do you know how many times I, so Philadelphia and Boston? Boston is also my second favorite city in the country. Of course, and I used it is. to show up to Boston. Yeah, I love Boston. It's yeah. it's San Francisco with racism. It just it fits right. right you have always so,
0: maintained that.
1: It's I used to show. I would wear my pinstripes stripes every chance I got in that fucking city, and I was up there so often. And I'd be rocking my A Rod jersey and my Jeter gray jersey, We're like oh, fuck you. <laughs> <It's just constant.
0: laughs> Your New York accent's coming out from where? Who knows? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I gotta get a Duncan. Fuck you. You think you're better than? I am better than you. Fuck you. <laughs> it's constant, constant. I was, it was not expecting
0: I, to learn this today.
1: That is oh incredible. god. I hated them so fucking much, and then also. So like i but then in the same token i really love tom brady and i love bill belichick and i love the patriots
0: sure but different sport
1: you know you're you're not necessarily the allegiance isn't there's towards the city of, this but there's 100 percent crossover if you're a patriots fan you're you are a red sox fan
0: i bet there are plenty of pats fans that are actually yankees fans it's similar to like you know people newer ones newer ones fine but there are always going to be trolls Shit, in fan bases like people who grew up in, you know, Redskin households and were like, I'm going to root for the Cowboys just because my parents root for the Redskins, right? Like that I, yeah, probably that. exists
1: but, as but, well. But you also got it. So, all right.
0: But, but, I feel bad for the ones that flipped it and uh, ended up but becoming see, that's my thing, Red Sox the, fans, but then root for the, like the Jets.
1: Yeah, that's weird, right? So that's, that's fucking <laughs> weird. I don't know those guys. But and then when I even think about new, it's 20 years now. Like I'm looking at all this yeah. stuff from 20 years ago. Um, so if you've been a fan for a team for 20 years, who am I to say that you're a your newcomer? Um, That's true. I don't know. The Patriots fans to me were humble. They were mm. losers. They won a Super Bowl the right way, and they kept winning. I never looked at Patriots fans as these, um, like, terrible, oh, my God, the pieces of shit. Like, they, they, like I saw Bengals fans on the road to, oh, my God, I'm going to dislike you if you guys are a winning team. Like, I, don- I just don't like the way you guys are vibing already. Or mm. you see, like, Steelers fans winners I can deal with them they're fine cool whatever 49ers fans I could deal with them they're fine yeah, cool, they're chill. whatever I like them they're chill Patriots fans for the most part I understand where they're coming from most of them is at least at least the ones that are from the Boston area they grew up in generation in households that generationally love the Patriots and they just sucked and then they put together the best dynasty in the history of football and it's like okay that's awesome I feel two different good dynasties. You. Yeah, but fine. Whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah, I, but understood. I don't know, they were still winning. They so went I 10 started.
0: years without winning one, though,
1: but they were still winning. They were double digit wins and they were always in the conversation. That's so even fair. if you lose them, I think you're kind of part of it. I understand the thought process completely, because I yeah. do think we award more teams dynasty labels than we should. Um mm-hmm. And I think like the Chiefs are not a, a
0: dynasty yet. No, not
1: yet. Not
0: yet. If they win next year you or three. even 2 you need, 3 years you from now you would say they are in the yeah.
1: NFL to get to the point that we could start talking about Correct. It. 3 is um, I think been the number. And, yeah. And in basketball I think you got to be at 4 or 5 depending on the years. just cuz Just because 3 peats have it.
0: happened a whole bunch also. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't it,
1: so so but the, the the Red Sox fans this air of lovable loser nonsense they tried to do. Yeah. Was such bullshit. Because I, I never could feel sorry for them because they were never they were never humble they were never humble losers they always thought that they were something more than they were and then the moment that you call them out on it then it, they take they get rid of they shirk all responsibility and it's the Bambinos' fault and it's like fuck you you just suck <laughs> and it's so it used to annoy the shit and then when they won they were just the biggest pricks. And then they won again and it was like i hate them i hate them i really really hate them yeah wow you've
0: been holding on to that for a while i feel
1: no it's very we just don't talk about it but uh, no, it's <laughs> I, it's very i still have my yankees jerseys i still have, I still have all my yankees jerseys yeah wow. um i know i and the thing is I can understand if I was born in Boston or born in Philadelphia. You know, I'd love to be a part of their fan bases. (laughs) I do. There's a little bit of FOMO, but there's a. um, Sure. But it's also because in Washington, other than what the Nats were able to do for us a few years ago and what the Capitals were able to do for us a few years ago, it's been bereft of fun. Mm hmm. And even the fan base is so splintered and fractured that it doesn't even feel united a lot of the time. Yeah. And yeah, I feel I like every that. year it goes. It used to be when I was a kid, Dallas Week.
0: Was yes. Oh, like man. you remember the, I remember on the radio? Week. Of course, of course. 95.5. Yeah,
1: yeah. Chris Paul would have whatever song it was, Dis in Dallas. It was a and celebration. Colors yeah, yeah. And, and we knew that's it felt deal. it. And every year that went by, it f- I felt less of that and less of that and less of that. And now. A lot of
0: that's ownership too. Honest, th- honest I- I get to get it. Yeah,
1: I get it but it, it, but it killed everything. And the Wizards just being just below average for 20 we years. We may need to, been. we
0: honestly may need to do an episode on the Wizards at some point just because, Why? because, well, just to open the eyes of many fans who believe winning is the goal. It's not. They, they are achieving their goal right now. We could do an episode on that where literally Ted Leonsis is fine with what we're doing. When Tommy Shepard called playoffs the ultimate goal, that's everything you needed to hear. And that just happened Army a week ago.
1: Play-in shepherd. You got to attribute that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any, actually uh, calling uh, him play-in Shep is
0: all you need to do because yeah. this is the goal. We are accomplishing the goal at that level. This is why we talk about ownership being important. This is why we talk about GMs being important. They're on the same page. Play-in yeah. is fine. And so the spending time on the Wizards hoping that they're going to become a top team in the East while that exists is pointless. I'm sorry. You know, unless we get really, really lucky. And it hasn't happened for 20 years so far. So I don't know what you I, want.
1: I, we could talk about it because, um yeah, we'll talk about it in this episode. Because I actually, I have a take on that. And I told Brendan once. and um Okay. yeah we, We'll talk about it a different, a different day
0: yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it a different day But anyway, uh, this was District Divided, DC Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Until then, enjoy your week. We will see you guys next week. And DC, we're just hoping that you listen.